The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hey you, yeah you, the one listening at work. Have you ever wondered, is this place haunted? History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump Podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 98th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And on this episode, we are going to Michigan. And Denise, I have to say, I didn't know that France had so much influence in Michigan. Did you? I did not. I did not know that they actually owned Michigan. And then, of course, the British got it. And then after the Revolutionary War, it became American property. But I had no idea of the French influence. Neither did I, because you always think of French coming down more the lower part of the United States, not up that high. Well, our research assistant, Sharon Spungen, suggested that we do something in regards to haunted Grand Rapids. And she actually went on two ghost tours that they host there with Ghosts of Grand Rapids. She had a marvelous time, and so she picked up a book called Ghosts of Grand Rapids that was written by Robert and Nicole Duchesne and Julie Rassack. And she said it'd be really good to do a show on some of these. So I contacted Julie and said, if you had two things you had to pick out of what you guys cover on your tours or in your book, what would those two places be, or two things, I should say? And she said, the AT&T building and the urban legend about the Ada Witch. So Sharon did a bunch of research for us, and she sent me all the material, and I was looking through it. And as I looked at the story behind the AT&T building, I went, you know what? This is a perfect haunted true crime episode. (laughs) So I ended up pulling that out, and we will have later on this week a haunted true crime bonus cast that will go up featuring the history and hauntings behind the AT&T building there in Grand Rapids. So I chose another location, the St. Cecilia Music Center to go along with our urban legend about the Ada Witch. That sounds perfect. So we've got our research assistant, Sharon Spungen, helping us on this one and also on the next Haunted True Crime. So thank you to you, Sharon, for that. 
Yes, thank you, Sharon. Do you want to welcome a bunch of people to the Spooktacular crew? All right. We want to welcome Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Nathan. Hi, Nathan. Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Desiree. Hi, Desiree. Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Cindy W. Hi, Cindy W. And Cindy N. And Cindy N. N. Yes, so it's the (laughs) Cindy's this week. (laughs) One of our crew members and listeners, Jameson, shared a picture with us of a time that he was in Edinburgh, Scotland, and he'd gone down into the vaults. And the picture that he took there, he said, there was nothing behind me but a brick wall. But when you look at the picture, it looks like there's something standing behind him. It was very, very creepy. It most certainly did look like somebody standing there. Then we have some reviews to share. Denise, we've had our show up on Stitcher ever since we started back in October of 2014. And I don't go there very often. We don't get a lot of hits on it. And we certainly don't get a lot of reviews. So my apologies to Mariessa, who gave us a review over there about a month ago. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. We are so sorry, Mariessa. I don't usually check in because the last one we got there was 11 months ago. So... Uh, she gave us five stars. I'm a self-described history geek, and I work in a history field. I love this show. Diane and Denise feel like your friends having a fun chat. They have a healthy, skeptical attitude about the haunted places. The history of each location is engaging. I recommend it for other history buffs. So thank you for that review over at Stitcher. We appreciate that. Yes, we do. And then we got a couple over at iTunes. Lily Lil just discovered this fantastic podcast that features interesting and unusual places and people that are a part of historical fact as well as urban legend and the paranormal. Presented in a very friendly and oh so interesting way that I'm going to listen to all the episodes included in the feed. Not only fun, but educational. And the two ladies that host and present the stories lend a particularly down-home flavor, making the listening experience even more fun than any other podcast I subscribe to. Thanks, ladies, and keep it coming. I enjoy your podcast and now consider you my first choice for listening every day. It may take me a while to listen to the dozens of podcasts that go back years, but I look forward to many hours of learning and listening fun. You gals rock. Well, thank you, Lily Lil, for that five-star review. Yes, thank you, Lily Lil. And see, with Lily Lil and Down Home, I have a feeling we might have a Southern girl on our hands. (laughs) Has that kind of feel to it, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. Now, what she'll call back and say, nope, I'm from the north, I'm from now, Jersey. Now, I love this username. Booga, 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 booga. <laughs> booga, 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 booga. Sounds like something that the boogeyman would say in your closet. <laughs> booga, booga, booga. This is a five star. Finally gave it a shot. This podcast kept showing on lists when I searched for a new spooky podcast. I tried to listen to it from the beginning, but the sound quality was so bad that I turned it off. A few weeks later, I was sitting at work, bored out of my mind by my co-workers' vapid conversations, and decided to give another shot from the newest podcast to the oldest, and I was immediately hooked. I'm kicking myself for not sticking it out the first time. Keep up the great work, ladies. I love this podcast. Well, thank you, Booga. We appreciate that. We hope everybody does stick it out. I cringe thinking about listening to some of our earlier shows, Denise. Well, especially from my side. I mean, holy cow. Let me see. My first podcast was... um Episode one. <laughs> first time in front of the microphone. Not first time in front of the microphone, but the first time willingly in front of the microphone was episode one, pretty much. Well, in those first few, we shared a USB microphone between the two of us, and I didn't really know what I was doing when it came to editing and sound editing and quality and all that stuff. So I hope it has been getting better. We have been working hard on it. And as far as I'm concerned, it will continue to get better as we go along. Excellent. And it is, I totally forgot. Yeah, it is kind of nice that we're not sitting cheek to cheek on the same chair anymore. And that could be cheek to cheek in both ways. Yes. 
both cheeks were touching. All right, Denise. Well, it's funny. A bunch of our listeners and Spooktacular crew were talking about the horrible weather that everybody's getting, you know, snow everywhere and putting up their pictures and saying, hey, wouldn't you like to come visit us here? Because we're always saying we're not going anywhere where it's cold. But Grand Rapids is in Michigan. It is snowing there, I think, currently. So put on your parka and your mittens and your wool knit cap and let's head off to the frosty north and check out this uh, music center and the urban legend of the Ada Witch. All righty. And it won't be too hard to visualize because it's actually really cold here in Florida, people. As everybody laughs at us. But it, it is supposed to get down to 30s tonight. It's very cold out there. So we do get cold here, just not minus 30. Become an executive producer of the History Goes Bump podcast for as little as a buck a month. For $5 a month, you can access exclusive content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. And for $10 and above a month, you get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear. Check out patreon.com slash historygoesbump for more information. Or you can give us a one-time donation by clicking the donate button at historygoesbump.com. History is full of oddities, curiosities, mysteries, and the truly bizarre. Welcome to This Moment in Oddity. Stambovsky v. Ackley is a ruling that went through the New York Appellate Courts in 1991 that has come to be known as the Ghostbuster ruling. Helen Ackley owned a home in Nyack, New York. Between the years of 1977 and 1989, Ackley reported numerous poltergeist events at the home. There was enough activity that it caught the attention of Reader's Digest, and the publication wrote a story about the haunted house. Ackley claimed that there were numerous ghosts in the house, and that the poltergeist woke her every morning by shaking her bed. They left gifts for members of the family, apparently, also. In 1989, Ackley decided to sell the home. Neither she nor her real estate agent, Ellis Realty, disclosed that the property was haunted to the interested buyer, Jeffrey Stambovsky. Stambovsky put down a down payment of $32,500 and agreed to pay $650,000 for the house. The contract was drawn, but then Stambovsky found out about the haunting reputation and he sued to get out of the contract. The New York Supreme Court dismissed the case, but Stambovsky appealed. The appellate court ruled that the house was indeed haunted because the haunting had been reported in a national publication and in the local papers, but that the seller was not required at the time to disclose the haunting. So no damages were paid to Stambovsky. But the court did break the contract. A court that rules that a house is indeed haunted certainly is odd. This history podcast is haunted. This Day in History On this day, January 20th in 1920, the 18th Amendment is put into effect and prohibition begins. The 18th Amendment was ratified on January 29, 1919. The amendment read, quote, After one year from the ratification of this article, the manufacturer, 
sale, or transportation of intoxicating liquors within, the importation thereof into, or the exportation thereof from the United States and all territories subject to the jurisdiction thereof for beverage purposes is hereby prohibited. End quote. The movement to ban alcohol began with the temperance movement, and the hope was that prohibition would curb the drinking of alcohol. The amendment did not make drinking alcohol illegal, just the manufacturing and selling of alcohol was illegal. The effort worked for many years. It wasn't until the end of Prohibition that drinking started to increase again. Speakeasies became prevalent and gangsters rose to power using the distribution of alcohol as their chief means of money-making. The 18th Amendment was the only amendment that was ever repealed and this took place in 1933 when the 21st Amendment was ratified. History Goes Bump Podcast. Grand Rapids, Michigan has been known as Furniture City because of the industry upon which the city was built. People might be surprised to find that this city is considered the world leader in the production of office furniture. Grand Rapids is a city awash in history, murder, mayhem, and urban legends. And these factors tend to lend themselves to tales of hauntings. There are a couple of fairly well-known urban legends concerning Grand Rapids and its haunted history. The first comes from the St. Cecilia Music Center, and the second is known as the legend of the Ada Witch. Come with us as we explore the history and the hauntings of these. The Hopewell Indians lived in this area of Michigan and built their huge burial mounds over 2,000 years ago, which can still be seen outside the Gerald R. Ford Museum. It is believed that these peaceful mound builders may have been annihilated by another tribe, perhaps the Sioux. Around 300 years ago, the people of the Three Fires, the Ottawa, the Chippewa, and the Potawatomi, inhabited the area. In 1825, the first white permanent settler came to the future Grand Rapids. That settler was Isaac McCoy, who was a Baptist minister. A trading post was established in 1826 by French trader Louis Campeau. Louis was born in 1791 in Detroit, Michigan. He was a descendant of Etienne Campeau, who was born in La Rochelle, France, in 1638, and came from Bacardi to Montreal, Canada in the 17th century. Etienne's sons traveled to Detroit, Michigan, and the Campeau family became enmeshed there. Etienne's son, Jacques, was Louis's great-great-grandfather, so this family goes way back here. Louis fought in the War of 1812 and established the first trading post in Michigan in Saginaw, and then he moved south to establish the trading post in the future Grand Rapids. He traded fur pelts for metals and textile goods. Louis became the city's most prominent founder after purchasing the entirety of the downtown area in 1831 from the federal government for a whopping $90. He named his parcel Grand Rapids. Wow, $90. And I had a lot of fun with this, Denise, because, you know, I like to dig deep and dig into who these people are and trace back their family lines. And so I was like, oh, I want to know more about this guy. And as you you dig in and you go back, you're like, wow, this family goes way back in Michigan. And, you know, not just that they set up roots and had a store or something. They actually were building cities. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I kind of am laughing at myself earlier when I said who would have known because you think of all the French coming through kind of down Louisiana. But then I totally forgot there's many French speaking people up in Canada and it's right there. Exactly. The minute I saw that the family came over from France to Montreal, I went, oh, well, that makes sense. And Michigan's right there. So, yes, Grand Rapids, Michigan was incorporated as a city on April 2nd, 1850. After a global showing in Philadelphia in 1876, Grand Rapids' reputation as the city of fine furniture was solidified. Thanks to the Grand River, wood was readily available and transported to factories. Grand Rapids was also the first city to fluoridate its water in 1945. But it was a cutting-edge city in other ways as well. During the Great Depression, before the federal government instituted a program to help workers find jobs, Grand Rapids created a jobs program. And in 1916, after removing an outdated aldermanic governmental system, the city implemented a commissioner-manager form of leadership still used today. Another fun fact is Grand Rapids was also the hometown of President Gerald R. Ford, who with his wife Betty is interred in a burial mound just outside the museum bearing his name. That's neat. I did not know that either. Neither did I. Sharon, when she had told us about the tours that she took, she said one of the particular highlights from the Grand Rapids Ghost Tour was the St. Cecilia Music Center. Now, for people who don't know, St. Cecilia is considered the patron saint of music. Many musical organizations take on the name of St. Cecilia for that reason. Grand Rapids had the St. Cecilia Society, and in 1890, they decided to find a permanent home. They purchased a lot on Sheldon Avenue, but their dream dissolved as a zoning issue forced them to sell the land. After a couple more years passed, the society purchased the property at 24 Ransom Northeast, which is the present home of the Music Center. Chicago architect Henry Ives Cobb designed the St. Cecilia Music Center, and he was directed to design a simplified and dignified temple of music. Construction on the building began in 1892, and society members started an ambitious fundraising effort to gather the funds needed to build the building. Cookbooks were written, calendars were designed, and a souvenir silver spoon was produced by Herkner Jewelers, and they were sold as part of the fundraiser. Chicken and oyster dinners were sold to the public, and performances were staged in the Old Powers Opera House as well. A special edition of the Grand Rapids Evening Press was even created to help gain funds. The building was completed in the spring of 1894. The total cost, which included furnishings, came to $53,000. Wouldn't that be nice to get a fully furnished place for 53000 Not only that, but what I really like about this is in our modern era, whenever you want to build something like this or say we want to build a new sports arena, you always have these bonds, and so it's basically the government taking out loans, and this is a neat idea about basically having the community paying to build this thing, but they were getting something in return as well. Exactly. It reminds me of when schools are trying to raise funds for the band or something like that. It, I don't know. I think it's just rewarding for both ends when you have that kind of a setup. Oh, very much so. I mean, I know we've done many fundraisings for students and things like that, and so it's very nice because it, it gives you a sense of ownership that you got there. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers 
aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live Boricua. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Dedication of the St. Cecilia Music Center took place in November of 1894. The incredible fact about this building is that it was the only place in the world built by women solely for the appreciation, study, and performance of music. There's an extraordinary Tiffany window that was installed in 1895. Which makes me think about the Flagler College there in St. Augustine that has that, I think it's the dining hall has those Tiffany windows that are all around the outside that they actually had to put special windows on the outside of those to protect them. Yeah, they're absolutely beautiful, though. The structure was built in the classical style, and the facade was divided into three parts, a base, a middle, and the top. The base was constructed of sandstone, while the middle section was brick. The top has been crowned with a cornice and terracotta frieze that is graced with plump cherubs. And in musical tradition, those plump little angels are holding trumpets. Inside the center is the library, which is called the Adima Room, that is built-in storage for music. There's the reception room that is called the President's Room and features a wonderful fireplace with mantle and several large arched windows overlooking Ransom Avenue. Originally, the center of the building was the auditorium. It featured 500 main floor seats that were lit by beautiful chandeliers, intricately looped and gathered draperies over the proscenium arch, and a skylight that caused a warm glow due to its 16 stained glass panels. I've never heard of a skylight with stained glass before like that. Oh my gosh, can you imagine how pretty that would be? The upstairs ballroom had windows that could be opened out into the auditorium to accommodate balcony seating. Major repairs were needed in 1901 to reinforce the roof beams. Renovations in 1925 removed the skylight and two large pillars in the middle of the auditorium, and the balcony was closed off. These renovations improved the acoustics to the point that even today, the Music Center is considered one of the finest recital halls in this country or abroad. The heating and electrical systems were renovated in 1974, along with the auditorium, which was named for the Royce family that had donated a large amount of money to the society. The stage and building became barrier-free in 1984 with further upgrades. The Opus 2 Capital Campaign was launched in 1996 to help maintain the building. The center hosts world-renowned musicians and has been added to the National Register of Historic Places. We're going to get into the hauntings that are at this location. And I have to say, Denise, I have no idea why this building is haunted. Because I don't really know of anybody, we don't have reported deaths or murders or anything like that going on here. So I don't know if there's some things that are tied to the land. The fact that we have all these burial mounds that are there. Obviously, 
I'm thinking some barrel mounds might have gotten leveled as they were building Grand Rapids. So I don't know if that's what's underneath here. Yeah, who knows? But it does seem that whenever we travel and go abroad or even when we research via the Internet, that theaters tend to be haunted. It just seems to be something (laughs) that goes hand in hand. And who are we talking to? Was it somebody? I think we were talking to somebody on one of the tours we were doing and that they wondered if it's because there's or maybe it was somebody on the show. I can't remember. But we were talking about how there's so much emotion when you're acting, because you can go through the whole gamut of laughter and crying and happiness and sadness and all this other stuff. And maybe because spirits seem to feed off of emotions, that it's just a place that is like a, a super slurpy form or something. <laughs> you can really get a huge a dose. super slurpy. <laughs> of energy. <laughs> so you they, heard it here first at History Goes Bob. That theaters the, are super slurpees of energy. For I just ghosts. made that up. <laughs> I see a new shirt coming. You know, it could be that too, but there's also to do theater with all the lighting and all the electrical because a lot of times that's what ghosts need in order to to show themselves. So that could also be because they're going to have more than your average amount of lights and sound boards and all of that too. Quite true. Descriptions of the haunting activities at St. Cecilia's include hair being tugged as well as jackets and sleeves, hair being stroked, and disembodied whispers in the ear that include demands like, get out. There's a lot of ghosts that want people to get out. We heard that on our last show, didn't we? We absolutely did. (laughs) There are disembodied grunts, groans, and growls. Shadow people are seen. Seat 106 is said to always be in the lowered position for no apparent reason. Hmm. And I don't know if this is like that other theater that we'd covered where they don't even sell the ticket for that certain seat that seems to be haunted. So I don't know if this is a haunted seat. On two separate occasions in the lower level of the space, a woman's voice has been recorded laughing in the background. This woman was not present while they were recording. The elevator goes up and down without assistance and things go missing. And then there's the mysterious woman sitting in the auditorium and a janitor in a jumpsuit that is seen backstage a janitor that is not employed by the center and who disappears. The Grand Rapids Press reports, quote, Something's happening and either we have homeless people living here or we have ghosts, said Kathy Holbrook, the center's executive director. So she invited the West Michigan Ghost Hunter Society to come in and conduct three investigations of the building. Society members brought in all sorts of equipment, including computers and audio recorders, and stayed late into the night. She said investigators definitely found what they would say was paranormal activity in the building, adding that most of the incidents seemed to occur in the auditorium. Some of the investigators reported seeing strange shadows in the building, and glowing orbs showed up in a few photos they took, according to a society report. A psychic felt like the elevator was a portal used by the spirits and she sensed the housekeeper, soldier, and a variety of performers in different parts of the building, the report says. Holbrook said the investigation's creepiest finds were recordings of unexplained voices or EVPs. She said that in one, a male appears to say, move it. The hair on the back of your neck stands up, she says. That was the most shocking, to be able to hear someone speaking, end quote. The interesting thing about this is that this is the center's executive director talking about this stuff. She's not really going to make this up and probably may not want people to know that the place is haunted. So for her to come out and say this stuff, very interesting. But look at all of the ghosts that they supposedly have there. Now, of course, the psychic could be embellishing things. 
that's a lot of people hanging out in the theater. Well, and something in or that I little say quote, ghostly people hanging ghostly out, ghostly people. The but um, one of the things that came out here that might explain the hauntings is if a part of it was a portal, because then nothing would have happened there. The spirits mm. would be coming out through the portal. Good point. Interesting to think that the elevator would be a portal, particularly since that's one of the haunting things is that it seems to go up and down without assistance or anybody pushing any numbers. Very interesting. I've always wondered about portals. They fascinate me. They scare me. <laughs> well, they're scary, too. I, I totally agree with that. But it's like, what makes something become a portal? And it, are, are there really such things as portals? Or is it just people making something up and saying that something's a portal? Because it's kind of along the lines of every place has a white lady. Every place is the most haunted. It seems like every other place has a portal, too. But is there really such a thing as a portal? And what about it makes it so that it is attractive to spirits? And is this just a place where the veil is very thin that they can come and go as they please? Yeah, I, that I'm not sure. And is that coming and going on our plane of existence or is it coming and going on other planes of existence? Is it a time tunnel or something too? Exactly. So who knows? So anybody out there who has any ideas, you know where to send those to. <laughs> we always love to hear your feedback. It's just amazing how your brain can just keep going down that path and, and thinking about all these different things that are possibilities. Absolutely. Elizabeth wrote, quote, I had a paranormal experience at the Music Center in 2011. I was walking back through the hallway from looking at the tunnels that are underground, and all of a sudden I felt as though I had a spider web brush my shoulder and arm. At first I didn't think anything of it and kept walking, then it happened again. I think I asked the people I was with if I had anything on me, and it turns out I didn't. I then talked with the paranormal team that was with me and found out that sometimes when being touched, it can feel like spider webs. That just would creep me out because I hate spiders and spider webs. I also found out that the hallway I was walking in had reports of common experiences. Also the same night, my friend and I went up to the ballroom. I was taking recordings as I asked questions. A few days later, I reviewed the recordings and heard a lady laughing. No one was in the room at the time other than my guy friend and me. So a guy would not sound like a lady, and earlier there were reports of a lady laughing being caught on other recordings. Hmm. A famous piece of the Grand Rapids lore is the story of the Ada Witch, which has been told for 150 years. The story begins in the rural area of Ada Township in West Michigan. It was the late 1800s, and a married woman was allegedly having an affair with a local man. They would meet clandestinely in what is known as Seedman Park. Her husband suspected that something was awry, and he followed her and found the lovers together. In a rage, he killed her and battled with her lover. Both men died there as well. While it made for a great story, there were no names connected to the story, so people wondered if it was true. A group of paranormal investigators declared that they had discovered the Ada Witch to be Sarah McMillan, who was buried in Findlay Cemetery in Ada. People visited the cemetery, and soon the tombstone was desecrated and broken up. Pieces of it were even being sold on eBay. But was Sarah really the Ada Witch? Well, you know how I feel about cemeteries and tombstones, so I can't believe that people would go in there and start chipping up a tombstone and saying you have a piece of the Ada Witch. 
It's crazy. And I'm not exactly sure how this got started. If some psychic came in and now there are some psychics that are legit and then there are some who are not. If somebody just came through and saw this name on a tombstone and said, hey, sounds good. Let's go with her. Because as we're going to find out, probably not this woman. Exactly. The historically accurate facts are that Sarah McMillan was simply a victim of typhoid. So I don't know how she was murdered by her husband while she was having an affair with a man. Kind of difficult to have that happen when you die of typhoid. Researcher Nicole Bray, and that is the maiden name of Nicole Duchesne, who wrote the book Ghosts of Grand Rapids. She searched the Ada records to find any evidence of two or three people all dying on the same day due to murder, because that would obviously show up somewhere. Exactly. She found nothing. While there were many stories of tragic losses that were uncovered, there was no evidence of the deaths of three individuals that matched the details of the legend. But legends, unlike the rest of us, seem to refuse to die. And the good news is that Sarah got a brand new headstone and the cemetery is now secure. So there was a tombstone company that donated one for her. So that's awesome. And we're glad to hear that. So anybody listening to this, if you're in the Grand Rapids area and you're going through the Finley Cemetery, leave Sarah's tombstone alone. Yes, please. But what of the Ada Witch legend? There are enough sightings to make one wonder if there really is some truth to the legend. It does seem there's always a little bit of truth to everything. Ada resident Julie Wiley believes that she saw the Ada Witch when she saw a ghostly apparition along Bailey Road, and she says she'll never forget that night 12 years ago. Quote, I'm a 100% believer of it. I know what I saw. I didn't drive that way for the longest time because I was afraid I was going to see her again. I was driving home from work, heading down Bailey Drive. I was coming up the crest of the hill, and all of a sudden I see a woman sitting in the middle of the street. She had a long, flowing blue dress on. She was sitting there waving her arms, and the words coming out of her mouth to me looked like she was asking, Help me, help me, end quote. When Wiley got to work, she was very shaken, and she told her boss what she had seen. He said, oh my gosh, you just saw the Ada Witch. Something that occurred to me based on the name is obviously it's called the Ada Witch because it's in Ada, Michigan. But why was she going to be a witch? (laughs) If she's sitting in the middle of the street beckoning for help, that doesn't sound very witchy. It could be just superstitious that people saw a ghost, and all of a sudden the ghost becomes a witch, and da-da-da-da-da. Well, you know, it's just when you get these urban legends, it just makes you wonder where in the world did this story come from to begin with? At least with a lot of urban legends, there seems to be a little bit of historical fact to go with it. There's nothing to go with the legend that's fact as far as they could find. The only fact is that the legend, as we stated earlier, has not died. It's still going strong. And the name doesn't make any sense to me. I guess I'm just being too logical. There are many reported sightings of a female apparition near Finley Cemetery, which is more than likely how Sarah found herself connected to this legend. This female spirit is seen along many of the streets and roads near the cemetery, particularly up and down the two-mile road. This is the road where Finley Cemetery is located. She's also been seen along Honey Creek Road. According to the legend, this is where the Ada Witch's body was found. And she's seen on Conservation Avenue. Hunters claim to have heard footsteps in the woods near this road, and some have even said they were tapped on the shoulder, but when they would turn around, nobody would be behind them. The Ada Witch appears as a woman dressed in a long white or blue dress with long flowing hair. There seems to be no reason for the hauntings at the music center, but there definitely are reports of unexplained activity. Is the St. Cecilia Music Center haunted? Is Grand Rapids home to a true urban legend? 
Is the Ada Witt real? That is for you to decide. And we do have links in the show notes for ghost tours that are hosted by Ghosts of Grand Rapids. And they also have their book that they wrote. And I have a link where you can click to pick that up over at Amazon. And it is part of the Haunted Press series that I'm collecting, so I need to pick that one up. We got some comments on the new music that we've been playing on the show for our Moment Noddity and This Day in History. thought I would change it up a little bit. New year, new sound. And the music is by Kevin McLeod. You probably hear his music on a lot of podcasts out there because Kevin is so awesome that he makes all of this wonderful music. He does it royalty-free and without charge. All he asks is that you give him credit. And he has a Patreon account, which, of course, we have become patrons of him. So not only do we ask people to donate to us, but we pay it forward as well. So we help out fellow creators, and he's one of them that we're helping out. So Absolutely. Fantastic musician. Oh, yeah. I just love his stuff. He's got everything from trying to make things sound like old time music to soundtrack, futuristic. It's just got everything. I just love it over there. His website is incompetech.com. I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com, I believe. And then you're supposed to say it again like a spelling bee. Incompetech. Do I win? Sure. I'll give it to you. The next episode, we're going to go to a part of Canada we haven't been to yet, Alberta. Yay, let's go to Alberta. Fort Edmonton. This was a suggestion by our listener, Tanya Turner. So we're looking forward to checking that out. Yes, we are. We're glad you guys could join us for this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Executive producers of this episode have been... Dave and Ann, Melissa, Levi, Nicole, Jade, Sharon, Cricket, April, Katie, Stephen, Heather, Amy, Tanya, Leanna, Laura, Seth, Tracy, Josh, Barbara, Ashley, Griffin, David, Wendy, Roger, Jenny Lee, Liz, Lana John, Stuart, Kelsey, Diane, Alicia, Dan, Janice, John, Laura, and Homeworks. And thank you for a one-time donation from Connie. Thank you. Want to keep the spooks away? Give us a review. Societies rise and societies fall. When the time comes, one society steps forward to build a better future. The Wicked Library, Kettle Whistle Radio, Night Story Podcast, Prog Watch, Red Horse Radio, The Lift. History Goes Bump. Listen. The M Writing Podcast. Society 13. Rebuilding Society. One podcast at a time. <laughs> <laughs>